Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's in 11 innings, your Cleveland Guardians 6, the Arizona Diamondbacks 5. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played, and what looked like it was going to be a blowout. I mean, we got to Davey's early. We knocked him out in the second inning. Uh, after, well, after two innings pitched, we knock him out. He does pitch to two batters in the third, gives up two runs, and then he's out of there, but he's credited with two innings pitched. We knock him out early, and you thought, yeah, 4-1, to one, this was going to be a runaway game, and here come Arizona. We don't know. We don't see the Arizona Diamondbacks. We don't. I don't know many of these names. Did you know Christian Walker was a big power hitter for the Arizona Diamondbacks? Well, you know it now. They go ahead and tie it up, and then the bullpens just go to work. My God, throwing up zero after zero after zero, and we got to go win it in extra innings. It turned into a pretty fun baseball game. Both teams had runners on, you know, in third base and scoring position. They were threatening. Throughout those late innings, the bullpens were able to hold it down, have some big moments, and then extra innings does what they want extra innings to do. It ended the game, right? Those runs come in to score. That runner on second comes in and ends the game. That's the point. It is, yes, a little little league, right? A little bit old man softball, a little bit uh, minor league, but it is at least effective in ending the game quickly once you get into extra innings. All right, so let's get into the storylines of this game, and then we've got another voicemail from Phil in Louisville who's talking about the 40-man roster. He's not happy with some names on this 40-man roster, so we're going to take a voicemail call towards the end of the episode. All right, the storylines of this game, well, frankly, it was the top of the order doing it for both teams. One through five for Arizona doing all the damage. Surprisingly, not their star uh, second baseman, Cattell Marte. He's quiet on the day. He does score a run, but no hits, no walks. Um, But yeah, one through five does all the damage for them. Six through nine gives them nothing. One hit from the six through nine batters that doesn't turn into anything from their catcher, Carson Kelly. Meanwhile, on the Guardian side of things, it's one through six doing all the damage. Seven, eight, and nine give us nothing on the game. Where seven, eight, and nine were the heroes a few nights ago right? They can't come through in this game. However, in the seventh spot, Will Benson does score the uh, winning run in his major league debut. Maybe that should be the top storyline. The Guardians, I did not think they were going to make any moves before the trade deadline. And out of nowhere, they decide to swap Alex Call, send him back down to the minors, bring up Will Benson, Uh, to the major leagues for his major league debut. The guy is absolutely destroying the ball. He's like one of the top OPSs, if not the top, in the uh, International League, in AAA. And he gets the call up here right before the trade deadline, which is interesting stuff. So uh, Will Benson is here. Um, Now, another bit of news. I don't even know if anything's come of this yet. But apparently, Fermil Reyes was cleaning out his locker after the game, anticipating a uh, being sent down to AAA. So that's interesting. Um, you know that uh, the, the move has already been made. They already called up Will Benson. So what's the corresponding move with Reyes packing up his locker and being moved? I don't think we've really gotten any update on that yet. 
So we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, Zach Meisel was reporting that. So yeah, so there are some moves going on. Uh, is the Reyes thing for a trade? Uh, we we don't know yet. So you know, maybe by the time you're listening, this more news will be breaking because this is the trade deadline today, and a lot of things are going to happen fast. All right. Anyways, back into this game. Will Benson's here. Uh, on another morning, maybe tomorrow morning, if there's not a bunch of trade deadline news, we'll do a little bit of a profile on Will Benson and get into who he is. He didn't get the start in this one, um, but he was here for the game on the bench and does get a pinch hit opportunity in the 10th inning with a chance to win the game and ends up being the pinch runner on base in the 11th. So what a debut for Will Benson. Big, tall, left-handed hitter. All right, so the top of the order, doing all the damage for the Guardians. So this thing starts out as a home run derby. All four runs scored in regular baseball are scored via the home run, and they're scored early. And it feels like Quantrill, this happens to him every time he pitches. There's one bad inning. There's one bad inning every time, and it just tanks his start. And it happens in this one. You take away that, I mean, if he doesn't give up that home run in that fourth inning, it's actually a pretty quality start for Cal Quantrill. Unfortunately, he does give up a three-run home run, and he kind of sets himself up for this one. So it starts with a solo home run in the second inning from uh, Dalton Varsho. Uh, he gets a high fastball. This isn't where Quantrill gives up a lot of his home runs. Uh, looking at his zones over on his own StatCast page, most of the home runs that Cal Quantrill gives up are middle of the plate. Three from on the arm side of the plate, four from the middle of the plate, three from the glove side of the plate, but all middle of the zone. He's got one on the arm side up and one on the arm side down. That's it. So everything, most of the home runs he gives up are from the middle of the zone. This one was up. This is the one that was up. So uh, yeah, Varsho kind of goes, climbs the ladder, gets up to a fastball. Both home runs were given up on the sinker, two-seam fastball. Uh, he climbs the ladder and gets one 103.6 miles per hour, 397, and clears that wall in center field. Uh, clears the wall towards the uh, towards the new the new bullpens. I guess they're not that new anymore, are they? Um, still feel new to me uh, with that redesigned outfield. So Dalton Varsho climbs the ladder for Arizona. They take a one nothing lead. All right, not exactly what we were expecting, but we do do the thing, and this is what where Davies fails. Does the thing where he gives up runs immediately. Immediately. He strikes out Josh Naylor on some nice off-speed pitches. Then gives up a single to Andres Jimenez, who was a machine last night. Andres Jimenez was on fire with the infield hits. It was unbelievable. Uh, so he gets an infield hit. And then Owen Miller comes up. And Owen Miller gets one. A fastball. Uh, let's see the location of this pitch. Uh, let's go to the matchup here. Both of the home runs that Davies gives up are also on fastballs. Uh, this one, oh no, this one is on a changeup. I'm sorry, this one is on a changeup. So he stays away. This is why I love going to the matchups. He stays away on Owen Miller for five straight pitches. He gets a two seamer that's called a, a sinker that's called a strike on the outside edge. Then he misses away with a sinker, misses down with a changeup, but he fouls it off. He chases a changeup out of the zone. He's down in the count. One and two now. Uh, then uh, another sinker up for a ball. Misses away with it. So now we're at two and two. Another sinker away. So now we're at three, two. 
So everything's been away. Everything's been away. And then finally, a changeup that sneaks back over inside on the middle of the plate at the belt inside. And he turns on it. Owen Miller, his fifth home run of the season. I mean, Owen Miller is not a power hitter, but he gets this thing 103 miles per hour, 34-degree launch angle, 398 over the wall in left field. So, yeah, Zach Davies makes a mistake. Everything has been away. Clearly, the scouting report telling him, keep it away. Keep it off the plate on Owen Miller. He lets one sneak back over, and it's a two-run home run for the Guardians. That would be all they would get in that inning, but coming back, they come right back around in the third inning. Stephen Kwan draws a walk, sees a lot of pitches, a six-pitch walk, a lot of stuff down, can't keep it, can't hit the bottom of the zone, throws a lot of stuff below the knees, and that brings up Ahmed Rosario. He said post-game that hitting behind Kwan is great because you see a lot of pitches. You see everything that guy's got, and he works a long at-bat. He works an eight-pitch at-bat here, fouling off some balls uh, you know, down. Most of these pitches are down below the belt, uh, a lot of stuff away. But uh, it's all sinkers and change-ups, all sinkers and change-ups from Zach Davies in this at-bat. And finally, the eighth pitch of the at-bat isn't even the best pitch. The seventh pitch of the at-bat that he fouls off is right down the pipe at the belt, a change-up right down the pipe at the belt. He can't do much with it. He fouls it off and then gets a sinker down and in. And this isn't a protect swing. I mean, this is a guy, he's sitting there on a 2-2 count after seven pitches. He's been fouling off a ton of pitches. But this one is down at his knees. It's in off the plate. And this isn't a protect swing, though. He he really wanted to hammer this ball. And he does, 102.5 miles per hour, 26-degree launch angle, 402 over that wall in left field for a two-run home run. So Ahmed Rosario going down and getting one. Uh, this wasn't the one to uh, Owen Miller felt like a mistake. This one to Ahmed Rosario, maybe it's a mistake in the sense that everything, again, they were keeping him away. They were pitching him from the middle of the plate away for the entire at-bat for seven pitches in a row and then finally come inside with one and pays for a home run. So Davies doesn't last after that. He's yanked from the game right there. And they would just go to their bullpen and unbelievable, they run out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bullpen arms in this game. Did they have anybody left? Was anybody going to come in if this game continued? They run out eight bullpen arms and managed to put up zeros for the rest of regulation. For the rest of regular baseball, through nine innings, the bullpen puts up zeros. Uh, so yeah, two home runs early, that is the Guardians offense. Now that's not to say they didn't threaten at other points in the game. There were definitely opportunities at other points in the game. And I guess we're just talking offense early here. Um, Not much in the fourth, not much in the fifth. Uh, In the sixth inning, Andres Jimenez kicks things off with a hustle double. He shoots one 95.5 miles per hour into the gap in left center field. It's cut off by the left fielder, but Jimenez is going crack of the bat. He's going for a double, frankly, Frankly, a good throw and tag nabs him at second base. He's out, but it's just an interesting slide. It's a really weird tag from Cattell Marte, and he gets the foot in there for a hustle double. And he's not satisfied with that. When Nolan Jones batting, he goes and steals third base. 
And this is directly tied. I said this on Twitter uh, last night as soon as he hit it. That is the impact of Jose Ramirez. He has watched Jose Ramirez do that countless times. He sat in that dugout or on that on deck circle. And he, well, I guess he hasn't bat cleaned up that often. Um, in the hole. He's bat fifth a couple of times. Uh, he's watched Jose Ramirez do that countless, countless times. And that makes an impact on a young player. He got has the confidence now to know if I run crack of the bat out of the box the way Jose runs, I'm going to get a bunch of doubles. I am going to rack up the doubles. And he does it here. He takes second base and then steals third base. Why not? In fact, he had three stolen bases on the game. He was a machine out there on the bases. They couldn't slow him down. They couldn't stop him. It was unbelievable how much he was running on the day. Uh, It was so much fun to watch uh, him taking off. And then Quan even has a stolen base on on a pitch out. They even tried pitching out. They nailed it. They nailed the timing. And they couldn't get Quan stealing second base. So the Guardians really were free and loose on the base paths last night. And Francona then says it in the postgame show. He almost says the exact quote that I say on Twitter. I love that we're thinking the same thing, me and Terry Francona, on this one. He says that Andres Jimenez double is a direct impact of Jose Ramirez leading by example. The example he set for the whole team. And it rubs off on all of these guys. Uh, Ahmed Rosario has the quote after the game. If you give 100%, the game rewards you. Right? He says it eloquently in Spanish. It's translated by our, our team translator into basically that. If you give 100%, the game rewards you. And I think, again, that's a reflection of Jose Ramirez's leadership. Quan, uh, Rosario, Jimenez. Remember, Rosario is a young player, too. I mean, he had some experience. He came up very early with the Mets. Same with Jimenez. So both those guys are fairly young still. Uh, but yeah, so Quan, Rosario, Jimenez, Naylor, right? It all rubs off from Jose Ramirez. He shows them. He leads by example. And they really, really take that lesson to heart. I know Straw is a quieter guy, but he definitely hustles from that ninth spot of the lineup. Uh, he he never shows any emotion, Straw. Um, he's the new clue bot, right? But, uh, yeah, the hustle has really, really rubbed off from Jose Ramirez. Uh, in the dugout, in the, in the locker room, this entire team follows his example. So that's really big to see as more and more young guys come up. You hope Jones and Benson are going to follow in his example and really hustle out of the box and take every base. Uh, so, yeah, so the double here, a stolen base, unfortunately, Jones strikes out, Hedges hits a nice shot towards third base, but a diving stop prevents that run from coming in from third. So we had an opportunity there. Then we actually load the bases up. Uh, we have two guys on in the seventh, a single by Quan. Uh, a one- oh, that's right. They intentionally walk uh, Jose Ramirez. I forget. StatCast never puts that in here. They like leave it as a blank. It's not even in here. It jumps right from Rosario to Naylor. But a single by Quan, they intentionally walk. After he steals second, they intentionally walk Jose Ramirez. They accidentally walk Josh Naylor. It loads the bases for Andres Jimenez. And he hits one. It looks like it's going to be another shot into left center field. It had a 6'10 expected batting average, but only at a 75.5 mile per hour exit velocity. And it's a line out with the bases loaded. The one time Andres Jimenez doesn't come up with a hit 
It had a 610 expected batting average, and it was with the bases loaded there in the seventh. Uh, so that would really be Quan Wood single in the ninth, but we can't bring him into score. Jose Ramirez would fly out to end regular innings. And then in extra innings, well, we'll get to extra innings in a second. Uh, we'll save extra innings as its own segment. We got to go back and we got to talk about Cleveland's pitching here. Cal Quantrill, like we said, man, it really feels like one bad inning and it just totally tanks him. So he gives up that home run early. Then in the fourth inning, he gets himself into a little bit of trouble here. Uh, Arizona's fourth inning, a leadoff single by Alex Thomas, and then he hits Cattell Marte with the pitch. Uh, so that puts two runners on, and that brings up Christian Walker. I swear to God, I'm standing there doing dishes, watching this over my shoulder, and I'm thinking to myself, Quantrill always has one bad inning. Is this the inning? Is he going to give up a home run here? Is this the bad inning? Sure enough, boom, Christian Walker, 104.1 miles per hour, 32-degree launch angle, 394 to that home run porch in left field corner, 7-10 expected batting average, and suddenly we have a tie game. I'm like, damn it. Damn it. He gets out of this thing. He gives up a single after that. He gets out of it with a strikeout and a double play. So he gets out of it. But, man, he gives up the home run again. Now, the home run this time was on the two-seam sinker, uh, which I was expecting it more off the cutter because the cutter has been the worst pitch for him on the season. But the one to uh, the solo shot to Varsho was, like we said, a a sinker that was up and away to the left-handed hitter. This one was middle in on Christian Walker, and he is a big home run hitter. I'm talking right at the belt. He's a big home run hitter for these Arizona Diamondbacks, and uh, that's his zone. He does hit a lot of home runs from the inside part of the plate. Of course, middle-middle, but from the middle in and middle up, he's hit a lot of home runs. Uh, so that's one of his sweet spots. And this guy is all red on StatCast. It's kind of unbelievable. Except for batting average, this guy has been fantastic. I mean, his batting average is only uh, 203 on the season, but he draws a ton of walks. Um, he draws, let's go back to his batting numbers here. He's drawn 51 walks on the season. He's hammered 24 home runs. So he's got an on base of 307. He's slugging 448. He's got an OPS of 755. That definitely would look better with a couple more base hits mixed in there. But yeah, he's got a bunch of extra base hits. Uh, he struck out 80 times. So his, his walk to strikeout ratio isn't terrible for a power hitter. Frankly, if Fermil Reyes was having a season like this, we would all be celebrating it. If he was hitting 203, but he was slugging 448, had 24 home runs, we would all be celebrating for Mio Reyes. But unfortunately, the slugging is not there. The home runs aren't there. Uh, so yeah, uh, this guy, Christian Walker, is a heck of a power hitter for uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm talking a ton of red in his uh, percentile rankings. Just expected weighted on base percentage, 91st. Expected slugging, 92nd. Uh, walk percentage, 92nd percentile. Chase rate, 89th percentile. So yeah, this guy has been really, really good for them. Their first baseman, their power hitting first baseman. So he gets the big home run here off of Quantrill. And I'm looking at Quantrill's stuff, and I'm trying to figure out what's different about Cal Quantrill this year. Like, what is going on? And just looking at the location of his pitches, 
uh, because his sinker and his cutter are worse pitches than they were last year. So what is different from last year? Well, the cutter definitely seems to be... Now, they have these... um, Basically, these blobs, these hot zone blobs on StatCast, where the deeper the red is, the more pitches are located in that zone. And last year, the cutter was more spread out. Nothing was really deep red, which means he was moving the ball around more, spreading the ball around more, frankly, going down in a way more with that cutter. This year, there's a big blob of red right in the middle of the strike zone. Middle and middle away. He's been locating a ton of cutters there. And yeah, you're going to get hammered if you keep leaving cutters middle of the plate like that. And then the same thing for the sinker. He's always thrown the sinker arm side. He's always pounded the arm side of the plate into the righties, away to the lefties with that two-seam sinker. Last year, it was more spread out top to bottom. He would work north to south a little bit more. Uh, that's what the blob the, the blob is showing me on StatCast. This year, it's more up. It's more up. It looks like he's locating more from the belt and the up and in. So, yeah, so the location is different, and that sinker has suffered. Last year, it had a whiff rate of 17.3, decent. This year, it's down to 12.1. The important part is last year, that sinker had a put-away rate of 21.8. This year, the put-away rate on the sinker is down to 9.5. That's bad. That's really bad. I don't know if he was just getting more ground balls with it last year, but like I said, he's locating it up more, which means it's going to get hammered more, and that's exactly what happened in this game. It goes for two home runs in this game. Somehow it still has a run value of minus one. Last year it had a run value of minus four. The cutter is the one that really suffers as far as the run value goes of that pitch. Last year a minus 11. This year we've talked about it before, a plus eight really bad for that cutter this year but it's the sinker that does him in on this game but he manages to hang in there he gives us six innings frankly he saves the bullpen really uh by going six innings and hanging in there the final line for him six innings pitch six hits four earned runs a walk four strikeouts two home runs allowed 94 pitches he's only hard hit six times but two of them go for home runs so eli morgan is able to come in he does give up three hard hit balls but he's able to get out of the seventh inning. Karinchek, a runner, ends up on third base because uh, of a walk, a steal, a throw into center field, and a runner's on third, but he gets two strikeouts in that eighth inning. Some people on Guardians Twitter were saying Karinchek is back. Classe handles the ninth inning. Trevor Steffen does give up that run in the tenth, but it's an unearned run. It's right. It's the runner that starts on second base. Frankly, all right, let's get into extra innings here because the Guardians in the top of the tenth inning uh, they sacrifice that run, basically. Um, it starts with an Alex Thomas single that puts runners on the corner, but then Cattell Marte grounds into a double play, and they sacrifice that run from third to get the double play, to clear the bases. So they kind of know, you know, being the home team in extra innings, that run from second, there's a high likelihood it's coming in to score. So they take the two outs here. That's a managerial decision. Christian Walker then flies out to end things, and that brings up the Guardians. So Trevor Steffen does give up a run, the first run given up by the bullpen, but it's an unearned run. All right, that brings up the Guardians. Naylor would ground out to start things out, but it's a smart ground out. He hits the ball to the right side, moves that runner, Jose Ramirez, over to third base. 
And then Andres Jimenez, another base hit on the day. This guy was incredible. Four for five on the day, um, including that double. Uh, but this one is a single, a 98-mile-per-hour shot in the right field, and it brings in the tying run. It brings in uh, it brings in Jose Ramirez to score. Now, uh, he does steal second base, I believe, in this. Does he steal it right here? Uh, let's see. Yeah, Melancon. Yeah, he stole second base here, moves up to second. Owen Miller with line out, and then Will Benson has a chance. He swings at the first pitch. Hits at 99.9 miles per hour, but it goes as a ground out, and they leave Andres Jimenez at second base. So they had a chance to win it there in the 10th, uh, and then uh, coming into pitch would be Sam Henches, a sack bunt uh, from Varsho that Henches would field, flip to first. Then McCarthy would line out to uh, Andres Jimenez with the infield pulled in slightly, so Jimenez makes a big out here in the 11th inning, and then Buddy Kennedy would strike out. Henches would get him. It was a beautiful pitch. Let's go to the matchup here and see how Henches finishes this thing off. He starts him with a four-seam fastball just below the knees. Uh, then he fouls off a four-seam fastball on the outside edge. It's a right-handed hitter against the big lefty Henches. So one on the outside edge that he fouls off. Then gets him on a big curveball, sweeping down and in at his knees. And then throws him another curveball away, and he swings over that one. So a nasty, nasty curveball from San Henches finishes off Buddy Kennedy. Nice job by the lefty. I'm telling you, man, Henches, there is something there. This, this guy is going to be a really, really good bullpen arm. We talked about, I talked about this last year, how I thought he was going to be more effective in the bullpen than as a starter. And he's proven me right this year. He really, really has been good out of the bullpen. He's not at class A's level yet, right? He's not Andrew Miller yet, but he has been really good uh, this season. I think you all have to be encouraged with that. And then that brings up the Guardians now with a chance to win it in that 10th inning or in the 11th inning. Will Benson starts as the runner on second base. Austin Hedges gets the sack bunt down, moves the guy over. Uh, Miles Straw unfortunately grounds out. He can't bring the run in from third. Oh boy, two outs, runner on third. Steven Kwan draws a walk, steals second base, not like it matters. And then Ahmed Rosario delivers the game winning single. Let's go to the at bat here. Uh, it's two knuckle curves by Melancon at the top of the zone. It's bizarre. Starts him off with one that misses inside up at the, at the letters. Then throws him another knuckle curve up there at the top. Why are he was he just not getting on top of his curveball? Uh, he was for Quan. He was throwing him down. He was missing away to Quan, but he was at least throwing those curveballs down. So it's not like he was having trouble. Did he lose it here in this Rosario at bat, or was th was this the goal to throw him high like this? Uh, but he throws a knuckle curve at the top of the zone, and Rosario shoots it out in a right field, ninety three point five miles per hour, and it brings in. Will Benson to score his first run in his first Major League game. A nice moment there for Will Benson. And Ahmed Rosario gets mobbed out there uh, on the base paths. A walk-off hit once again for the Guardians. They have the magic. The Guardiac kids doing it again at Progressive Field. This team is just fun, man. This team is really, really fun and this game was fun it turned out to be a fun game me and my wife are watching we're re-watching the uh the nbc sitcom community i'm telling you that's a talk about a feel-good show that was 
It was a great TV show. And uh, I'm watching the game on my phone, and we're going into extra innings, and I'm like, yeah, one more episode. And then we're going one more episode. I got to see how this baseball game ends. We're not calling it a night yet. Uh, so uh, one more episode of Community and a little extra baseball for the Guardians, and uh, they pull out the big win. I love it. I love it. Great job by the bullpen. Ooh, MVP for the day. Oh, man, this is a tough one. I know Ahmed Rosario had the walk-off hit and the two-run home run, but I just feel like Andres Jimenez was MVP on the day. He ties it up in the 10th inning. Four for five on the day. The hustle double. The stolen bases. There was just something special about Andres Jimenez in this game. I know I remember Rosario has a ton of RBIs here. Three RBIs on the day. I got to split it. You know what? I'm splitting the trophy in half. I'm cutting it down the middle. Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario. Maybe Francisco Lindor is the MVP on the day because, you know, we get both these guys in the trade for Lindor. Uh, but yeah, Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez, uh, the package deal for Francisco Lindor, co-MVPs on the day. I can't. I can't split. These guys were both fantastic. Absolutely fantastic on the day. And we don't win this game without both of them. So, co-MVPs on the day. All right. In MLB news, the trade deadline has a finally has officially gotten nuts. The trade deadline is officially off and running. Yeah, there were some smaller trades here. Uh, I mean, the White Sox are making trades. The Tigers, the Kansas City Royals are making trades. I think the Twins have been quiet, and so have your Guardians so far. They've been linked. They've been linked to some names. The catcher out of Oakland, but nothing has happened yet. Uh, the big trades, even the Red Sox. The Red Sox are trading some guys in, some guys out. Uh, it's really interesting what the Red Sox are doing. The Reds are still trading away uh, veteran players. Uh, so there are a lot of names out there on the move. The big ones are the Yankees getting Frankie Montas and Trevino from the Athletics. So Montas, the big pitcher on the market, he moves. Now listen to the package they gave up. They sent a lot of pitchers back to Oakland. And this is something that Oakland apparently has a reputation for. They sent them their number five prospect, Waldenchuk, their number 10 prospect, Medina, and their number 20 prospect, J.P. Sears. And second baseman, their number 21 prospect. I got to imagine this would be comparable. You know, the Guardians could have put together a comparable package to this, right? Maybe maybe, uh, Peyton Bannenfeld and a Gavin Williams and, you know... uh, Evan Gaddis plus one of our middle infielders for Frankie Montas. Like, would you have felt comfortable with a package like that for Frankie Montas? Uh, other teams, it feels like the only team this year that's really given away like three top 10 prospects was Seattle going to get the starter from the Cincinnati Reds, right? They had to give up a ton to go to Cincinnati and get, I'm totally blanking on his name right now. And I will scroll down to it. But uh, yeah, they had to give up a lot of top prospects. Uh, Castillo, Luis Castillo. Uh, They gave up their number one, three, and five prospects. Yeah, one, three, and five prospects to get Luis Castillo. So they paid a hefty price. But it feels like everybody else, yeah, maybe a top 10 guy, a top 20 guy, and a top 30 guy. That's the trade package. Phil Hader goes to the um, the closer for uh, the Brewers goes to uh, 
the Padres. That was a Josh Hader. Sorry, Phil Hader. Where did that come from? Josh Hader goes to the Padres. Uh, they swapped closers plus a bunch of prospects. And then the other uh, big one was Trey Mancini goes to the Astros. And frankly, there was a major league player involved in this, Jose Siri. A couple of uh, of minor leaguers thrown in there. Uh, it was not a hefty price for Trey Mancini. I feel like this was a package the Guardians absolutely could have afforded for Trey Mancini. Uh, if they wanted him to be playing first base, they could have gone out and got him. There are still first basemen out there if they want to upgrade that position and let uh, Naylor DH a little more. Uh, but yeah, the trade deadline is off and running, and we have, we're down to hours. By the time you're listening to this, if you're driving home from work, we might be down to minutes. I believe uh, the trade deadline ends uh, today. Is it 6 p.m.? I think we looked this up before. At 6 p.m., the trade deadline ends today. So, yes, it is. So, Eastern time, by the way. So, yeah. So, we have time. And by the time you're driving home, hopefully the Guardians have made their move. They've got to make their move today. This team is too good to sit on your hands Go get some relief pitching. Go get some catching help. Uh, we will survive if Luke Maley isn't on the roster anymore. Like, we'll survive. Go get us a catcher that can provide some offense. Let Austin Hedges be the defense. Um, yeah, let's do it, Guardians. Let's do it. Speaking of the 40-man roster, that's exactly what Phil and Louisville's call is all about. So let's take our phone call and let's wrap up this episode with Phil and Louisville's thoughts. Hey, Davey. Phil from Louisville. There's an internet buzz about this log jam on the Guardians 40-man roster. And I see a lot of fat that they, you know, that they should not be tied to nine players. Don't know if you agree. Let me know. Ernie Clement, Owen Miller, Brian Lavastita, Luke Mele, uh, Alex Call, Kirk McCarty, Anthony Castro, Connor Pilkington, but most of all, Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw. We won the other day with him pitching, but he was horrible. He's been horrible this year. Uh, from what you've told us about his pitches, as he throws one pitch in the same spot over and over, it's time for Brian Shaw to go. You know, we have a lot of needs. We need a, a hitting catcher. We need an, a back-end uh, starting pitcher. And relief help would help also. So, uh, you know, I, maybe you can talk about that. Uh, the trade deadline is shortly coming up. Hope we do something. So Phil runs through a lot of names there on the 40-man roster, and I understand, Phil, why you're frustrated with some of these names. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, Phil. It's always the nature of baseball that, yeah, you're going to have utility infielders on your team. You're going to have backup catchers on your team. They are going to be taking up spots on the 40-man roster, but you, you know what? Everybody has that. Everybody has that. We can't all have... Uh, all-stars 1 through 26, you know, 1 through 40 on the 40-man roster. So, yeah, you are always going to carry a few guys that uh, are expendable or aren't that great, but they serve a role. And right now, Ernie Clement at least is serving a role. He, he is your utility infielder. He could play every, almost every position. Uh, so, you know, I understand why Clement's on the team. Uh, same thing with Luke Maley. You, you need a backup catcher. Lavastida would just happen to be a little bit ahead of Bo Naylor coming up through the minor leagues, right? Lavastida, just he was, you know, slightly ahead of him as they move up through the minors. He was up to triple A. They needed some catching help uh, earlier in the season. season. Remember, uh, Mailey had that, was it a concussion or was it? A, it was some injury at the beginning of the season. 
So that's why Lavastida is on the 40. You need a little bit of catching depth on that 40-man roster. So I understand how, yeah, that is, he's kind of wasting a spot down there at AAA because they clearly don't seem intent on bringing Lavastida up to help at all this season. Uh, as far as Owen Miller goes, I mean, this guy is kind of a starter on your team. So I, I Phil apparently is done with Owen Miller. I don't think Terry Francona is. I think uh, in the clubhouse, they like Owen Miller. I think Francona likes Owen Miller. Where Owen Miller eventually plays, I don't know, because he's terrible at first base, terrible footwork at first base. Can that be fixed? Can it be corrected? Maybe. And then you got to decide what really does his bat bring? Is he more of a utility player? Is that where he's going to shake out as a utility player? Probably. There's enough uh, middle infielders coming up with real star potential here that uh, you know, Owen Miller would have to be hitting over 300 to convince me that he's really an everyday player. I think he ends up more in a utility role. But, uh, yeah, he. I mean, man, Phil seems really done with Owen Miller already. Call already got sent back down. Uh, Call was having a good season at AAA, so I don't blame them for bringing him up. Uh, and giving him an opportunity. But yeah, he goes back down. By the way, the move to make room for Benson on the 40-man roster, it was the Anthony Ghost uh, move to the 60-day IL. So I don't think we're going to be seeing Ghost again this season. It looks like that whatever elbows problems bothering him is going to keep him out most of the season. Uh, Kirk McCarty and Pilkington and Castro, you need pitching death down at AAA. And once you start the options on guys... You don't want to waste options on other players when you have players currently with options that you can bounce back and forth between AAA. So I get it. Yes, I would rather see Battenfield get an opportunity or Xavier Curry get an opportunity before I see Pilkington start again or McCarty. I can't believe the bullpen games are working, but I understand from a front office perspective, when you already have options out on players, you don't want to then create options on other players and really start racking those up, right? They're a they're a tough commodity. They're, they're a precious commodity because you only get a few options on guys. You can only do that for a few seasons. And then once a guy's out of options, then you're in a DFA situation. So you understand once they've started options on some players like McCarty, like Pilkington, like Castro, they don't want to then create options on other guys like Badenfield and Xavier Curry and some other names. So after the trade deadline, if they do move some guys off the 40-man roster and they have some open spots, Will that change if they put together a package of players that could clear up some room on the 40-man roster? And then his last one, Brian Shaw. I get it. We hammer Shaw on this podcast, too. His cutter has been rough. But you're never going to convince Terry Francona that Brian Shaw shouldn't be on this team. And frankly, I mean, they showed a shot of Shaw in the dugout talking to Tristan McKenzie yesterday. And if they were, I who knows what they were talking about, but if they were talking baseball then maybe there is value to Shaw. I mean, he is the veteran in that bullpen, uh, the veteran on the pitching staff, so maybe there is some value there. We don't know the conversations that happen, the influence he has on the younger players. He has been a guy who's been in the fight for a long time, and there is value to that, even if we don't want to see him pitching in the eighth inning, right? There's still some value to Shaw being the veteran on this team, as much as his cutter, yeah, has, has he's obsessed with that cutter. Uh, but yeah, there is some value to him. So, Phil, I understand there absolutely is a 40-man roster crunch, and a lot of the names you mentioned probably uh, could be gone next season. I mean, there's a chance that they don't have room to keep Clement and Owen Miller on this team next year. Uh, Maley and Lavastida, if they make a trade for a catcher, 
yeah, they don't really need those guys on the 40-man roster anymore. Uh, Kong is going to get passed up by some of these other outfielders. Uh, there's more guys down at AAA that we haven't seen yet. There's guys down in AA that are coming. So Call might get passed up by some of these other outfielders. And some of these pitchers are expendable. They are. Some of those guys, Castro, we, I mean, we got him for peanuts, uh, and he's expendable. So, uh, yeah, so some of these names by next season might not be on the 40-man roster, but unfortunately, every team's got guys like that. Every team, it's just part of the business. So they, they serve their roles this season, but you're always looking to upgrade in the offseason. So, Phil, thank you for joining the conversation. Thank you for jumping in and calling in and leaving a voicemail. If you want to do it just like Phil did, there's a link in the show notes from Anchor. It's really easy. Click the link, grab your phone, and just do a quick 90. You get 60 seconds. So a quick 60-second call in. Uh, so thank you, Phil, for joining the show. All right. That is all my thoughts on this one. Another fun win. We are right in the thick of things in this American League Central and in the wild card still. All right. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's your Guardian 6, the Diamondbacks 5. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.